And welcome to episode 69 of the Lace Em Up podcast. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Dubuff. A little bit of a short week as far as hockey news goes. Uh, but uh, Jonathan Bernier's on a roll right now, so that's going to be our lead topic. Uh, and our poll of the week, uh, we're going to talk about three teams fighting for one playoff spot. Who gets in? We'll see how you voted, and we'll give our thoughts. Uh, in or out this week, we're looking at Tampa Bay and Edmonton. And uh, a lot of key entries in the rapid-fire segment, as well as the hockey game in Norway that never, ever ended and set the all-time record for the longest game ever played. Yes, that includes the NHL. But first, shout-outs to a very short list of players who have worn number 69 in the NHL. There are only two of them. Mel Anglestead played for the Capitals in 2004. Andrew Desjardins, who played for the San Jose Sharks in 2011 and 2012, he wore number 69. And then, of course, who can we forget? Doug the Thug Glatt <laughs> from the, the Coup movies. Character. And, yeah, the latest one actually came out on Friday in Canada, believe it or yeah. not. So, uh, fitting that episode 69 is recorded a few days later. So, to uh, that short list of players, this podcast is for you. It's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. Um. Yeah. I actually, I I figured there would be less sixty nines in the NHL, but I guess I didn't know there's two. There's only been two people. No. Yeah. Um. All right. Yeah. So our main topic this week. Yeah, it's kind of been. Uh, there hasn't been much to really talk about. Um, although if you've noticed that a lot of people are now talking about the Art Ross race and the, um, the Hart Trophy race. Hashtag uh, Hart Candidate Marshall. Yeah, You're going to be hearing that a lot. Exactly. Um, but like we were ahead of the game, so, uh, let's get ahead of the game here. Um, with, uh, Jonathan Bernier has been really hot. Uh, he's been, he's 5-0-1 in his last six games. He's eight goal. He has which, um, which is which is nice. Obviously, um, he also had eight goals against in those six games. Um, Gibson looks to be injured for a bit now. He was injured a lot, like a couple weeks, and then he came back for one game. He didn't look so great, and then he's back in the injured reserves um, list. But uh, it looks like Bernier is uh, taking the mantle from him. Anaheim is currently in second place in their division. Um, they're a little bit behind San Jose by four points, but um, it looks like Bernier is uh, good now, um, which is kind of surprising. Uh, can you keep it up, Steve? Well, it's not that he wasn't good before. Like he, right. he put up a, a lot of good years. Just, like he wasn't. First, he in wasn't. His first year. Yeah. Oh, sorry, yeah, no, continue. Ahead. I'm interrupting. No, 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 go ahead. Okay. <laughs> I was interrupting. We're sounding very Canadian. No, you go ahead. You yeah, 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 exactly. In his first year at Toronto, in my opinion, if Jonathan Bernie does get hurt, I don't think the Buds collapse to the point where they miss the playoffs. Like, he was standing on his head good. He was stealing a lot of games for the Maple Leafs. And he hasn't looked as good as he 
um, he hasn't looked this good since his first two years with Toronto. In his first two years with Toronto, he faced over 1,700 shots um, in each of those seasons. Uh, like, And that was the last time you could say that this guy was battle-tested. Um, and with John Gibson out with a lower body injury, and there's, by the way, no timetable whatsoever for him to return to the lineup, this is a guy pressed into action who hasn't really found his groove since he got hurt late in the 2013-2014 season. He hasn't really found his groove. And now we're seeing him go on an absolute tear. Um, on the year he's, um, at last check anyways, subject to change as always, 14.73 on the year, 2.54 GAA, personal best since the uh, lockout short in 2013 season. He uh, recorded a 1.88 GAA with the Kings uh, that season. Uh, his save percentage, 915. That's a personal high since um, it was at 923 in his first year at Toronto. That was in 2013-2014, his best season with the Leafs. Um, and in those first two years with Toronto, his GAA was 2.68 and 2.87. So compare that to his 2.54 GAA. That's that's pretty impressive. Um and in those two campaigns for Toronto, he recorded three shutouts. He's got two on the year this year. Um, but it's just who he was able to beat during the streak. I mean, 43 shots, he stopped all of them. Uh, one nothing went over Chicago, so he picked up the shutout against one of the top teams in the West. And then a few days before that, he finds a way to beat a streaky Nashville team. March 12th, stops 25 of 27 against Washington. Ducks win that game. Three nights later, 26 of 27 shots stopped against St. Louis. They win that game as well. And they lost the Buffalo game, but he stopped 30 of 31 shots, including five saves off of Jack Eichel, and then he gets him again in the shootout as well. Um, and that shootout went 10 rounds. So Jonathan Bernier, like I said, really pressed into duty, and he's responded. Uh, and, and in my honest opinion... I don't think this changes anything about whether or not John Gibson's the future in, in Anaheim. He absolutely is the goalie of the future for the Ducks. But what it does provide me is more confidence about this Anaheim Ducks team going into the playoffs. They've got a, a lot of good offensive talent. We'll talk about that in a second, but I, I just wanted to get your opinion. I, I don't think... I don't think Bernie's solid play is a fluke. I, I think this continues. Yeah, I uh, I was just looking at his uh, his career stats, and I didn't realize that he hasn't really played. He didn't really play a um a full eighty two games or a full sixty games even. Um, yeah. In his in his career, because he was a you know he started his career as a backup to Jonathan Quick. Um, where he, you know, he posted up good numbers in his time there. Um, and then he went to Toronto and then like, I, like it, it's felt like Toronto media has like kind of portrayed him as like, this was a bad deal or whatnot, but he actually did pretty well in Toronto. He had like a 2.69 GAA to start, I guess a 2.87 and a 2.88 the next two years weren't great, but like his save percentage were like uh, 9.23, 9.12, 9.08. Again, not great, but um, not terrible either. And, you know, so, yeah, I don't think it's a fluke per se. And I think it's like it's, he's finally, I don't think he was given a fair shot in Toronto. And 
and or and also Toronto wasn't a great team those years. So, um, yeah. so it's it's one of those things where um, where I feel like now that Gibson is out, um, he is given a fair shot now um, to see what he can do, and it's it, it looks like it's paying off right now, and this is his moment. Um, yeah, and I agree with you. I don't think Gibson. Gibson's job is in doubt at the moment um, because, you know, Gibson has also had a good year uh, this year, too. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's Better not... Better year stat-wise than Bernier. Yeah, exactly. So I don't think he's necess- I don't think it's necessarily like Gibson is worried about his job now. But it is, um, in this league, as we found out through, like, you know, t- uh, Pittsburgh last year, um, LA try to do is trying to do it this year with uh, getting Bishop. It's um, you know backups are very important. Um, yeah, backup goalies are very important. So it's it's good that the Ducks have uh, like a a goalie that they can rely upon now with Bernier. Uh, and I don't. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think it's um, I don't think it's a fluke either. Um, also, I was just looking at the rest of the Ducks schedule here. They play Edmonton on Wednesday, which will be a big game for them. Um, Winnipeg on Friday, the Rangers on Sunday, which would also is also a big game. So they don't really necessarily have a bad schedule for the rest of the time. Um, they have Edmonton on April F- Fool's Day, Calgary twice, then Chicago and LA uh, to end the season. So it's. Um, so it's really just that April time is when they have all the tough teams. But, like, you know, they have Vancouver, Winnipeg to deal with, and those are going to be their only tough games. But, um, yeah, it, it really does just depend on if Bernier can play well against Edmonton, the Rangers, Calgary, Chicago, and L.A. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and I also think, like, as, as a team, you're right, like, that this team is better than the ones that Bernier had to deal with in Toronto. Like, yep. like, uh, like as far as um, as far as um, toughness goes, like Nick Ritchie, uh, he's a second year. He's ranked sixth in the league in hits. He's got two hundred and fourteen of them. Josh Manson is third year in the NHL. He's seventh in hits with two hundred and ten. Now, like to be fair, in Toronto, Bernier had Fanuf. In his first year, Cody Franson was second in hits, believe it or not. He had 282, if my memory serves me correctly. Right. And then in his second year, Komarov um, was kind of the leader in the hit parade there. But, yeah, he gets um, a lot of hits usually. It, it's, just, it's just the amount of clutch depth that this team has. Like, you look at Kessler, who's been there, done that. He's got 20 goals this year. Yep. Ricard Raquel has suddenly become a 30-goal scorer. He's got nine-game winners yeah, that lead good. his team, which is impressive. And then... Corey Perry, he's got 14 goals, but this is a guy who's had 30 or more goals in six seasons, including each of the last three. Yeah. And then you look at a guy like Silverberg, who leads the team with roughly 200 shots on goal. He's got a career-high 41 points and, at last check, one shy of 20 goals. So uh, it's just the overall experience of this team that I like. And then you also look at Kevin Bieksa, who, like Ryan Kessler knows what it takes to go deep into the playoffs. The Leafs didn't really have any guys that could do that. Right. And, and this team has a bunch of them. Yeah, that's that's true. I mean, obviously, it's like, I mean, we're stating the obvious here with uh, 
that yeah, this Ducks team is better than the Toronto team that Bernier was on. But and um, I also didn't mention Ryan Getzlaff, who leads the team in points. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, no, that is a good point though in terms of like who um, who uh, Bernier has in front of him is also making a difference in terms of like this is probably the best team he's ever been on. Um, other than yeah, I don't know if you could count the LA teams, but um, but yeah, these this Duck team is probably the best teams he has been just in terms of depth um, and um, you know hitting and toughness and whatnot. So um, yeah, the, I mean it does looks like the Ducks are kind of like this underrated team at the moment because you have the Sharks in the division, the new hot team that everyone loves in Edmonton and Calgary. So. Um, and Anaheim's just there, really. So, um, we shall see. And also, like, I guess, yeah, I feel like this. we're both in agreement that Gibson is the goalie um, yeah. when he's healthy. But, um, I don't know, it, 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 like, if Gibson starts to uh, fall off, because he did at the beginning of the season, um... I could see Bernier, like, being the guy in the playoffs or something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, I wasn't really confident about that at the trade deadline. Like but, I said, why don't the yeah. Ducks get some added insurance? Well, um, I, I guess they, Randy Carlisle or, or whoever's calling the shots felt confident that, you know, if if they needed Jonathan Bernier, he could deliver. And to be fair to Jonathan Bernier, he's done exactly that for them. Yep. Um, all right, let's get to the poll of the week. Um, so I kind of messed up here cause I, I thought that, uh, the, uh, I guess I made the poll of the week longer than when we were going to record it. So we have, there's 23 hours left here. Um, it's one thirty in the, on a Sunday morning. If you're still listening to this, you can still vote, but we're going to talk about it as like it ended right now. Um, we got, so the question of the poll of the week was, of these three teams, which one is going to make the playoffs? Um, they're pretty much these three teams are essentially fighting for one playoff spot. Yeah. Um, the wildcard spot, the second wildcard spot. Um, so it's, uh, Toronto Maple Leafs, the New York Islanders, and the Tampa Bay Lightning. The Lightning, we're going to talk about in our in-or-out section. We've talked about the Islanders and the Leafs before, I think, in our in-or-out section. We definitely talked about the Leafs a lot. Um, <laughs> uh, and uh, it looks like the Leafs are winning right now um, with 46%. Uh, the Islanders are winning, uh, have, are in second with 38%. And the Lightning get, have 16%. Um, I mean, I guess that kind of makes sense. Uh, the Maple Leafs are currently in a playoffs. Oh, no, wait. Yeah, the, the yeah, Maple Leafs are, are they're, currently they're, in a they're playoffs. They're holding the second wildcard spot at the time right. of recording this podcast. They're, they're, um, they're exactly. But the Islanders are one point behind them. Yep. And the um, the Tampa Bay Lightning are two points behind them. Um, so it's very, very close. Uh, by the way, Boston is... Um, Three points ahead of Toronto, and uh, like the Rangers are way ahead of them. 
So, so if, if Hart if Hart if Hart can't let Marshawn struggles, there's a yeah. chance that Boston could fall off a cliff. Yes, I, I'm glad <laughs> I'm glad you're calling him hard candidate Marshawn. Um, but uh, yes, uh, that is true. Um, he has been one of the reasons why. If we continue to play like we did in Edmonton, then yeah, I I'm gonna be worried. But I felt like I should mention that because I don't want to be overconfident yet. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I, I, I think I tend to agree with this. Um, even though the polls haven't ended yet, I, I agree with uh, this uh, poll here with uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. I think they're going to make the playoffs um, over the Islanders in the Lightning. Well, uh, I'm, here, here are a couple of stats you probably didn't know about the Maple Leafs this year. The, the first stat comes to us from Complete Hockey News. Austin Matthews, who has 55 points, Mitch Marner, who also has 55, and William Nylander, who has 50, are the first group of three rookie teammates to record over 50 points in a season since Timu Solani got 132, Alexei Zhamnov got 72, and Keith Kachuk got 51 in 92-93 with the old Winnipeg Jets. So that's... Um, for most of that season, I wasn't even born. So <laughs> that's how long ago it was. Uh, also, Nazem Kadri, prior to Saturday's action, had 28 goals on the year. That's the same amount of goals as Joe Pavelski, Mark Scheifele, Philip Forsberg, and Alexander Ovechkin, which well. is absolutely mind-blowing. Uh, I'm not sure if they've got what it takes, even with Brian Boyle and Frederick Anderson playing Big roles for their respective teams, the Ducks and the uh, the Lightning and the Ducks in 2015. I, I just, I'm just not sure because, mostly because Freddie Anderson hasn't hasn't played in this many games. Like his 57 starts, they've already surpassed his career high 53 from his second year. If you compare the shots he faced from his second year to this year, we're talking 1,436 in year two. He's got 1,801 and counting this year. Uh, So he could have faced over 2,000 shots by the time this season wraps up. And then you look at the Islanders' goaltending. I'm not as optimistic as to what they've had to offer because Thomas Grice has given up four or more goals in three of his last five starts. And his backup, Jean-Francois Berube, has given up four go- uh, gave up four goals on four shots in less than five minutes against the Carolina Hurricanes. Carolina, <laughs> four goals on four shots in less than five minutes. That's yeah. terrible. Yeah, that, so that, yeah. If, if there's one consolation for the Leafs is the Islanders don't have that good of a goaltending. Andre Vasilevsky has been relatively inconsistent uh, for the better part of this season. He's so, gotten better, though, but yeah. It, it, it's it's going to be a pretty tight race so long as the goaltending continues to be inconsistent because it, it should be known that Frederick Anderson, uh, before putting up a shutout against um, Tampa Bay, he was pulled in a start against Florida, three goals on eight shots. So there, he's he's been playing very well for the Leafs, but he's had a lot of bumps in the road. Yeah, that's true. I mean, all these goalies are, are all these goalie situations aren't great, especially uh, Tampa's and New York's. But um, I don't know. I feel like t- Toronto has the better goalie situation. They have the, they have a better team in terms of 
the forwards as they well. They certainly have a better coach. And they certainly have a better coach, too. So I don't know. I feel like Toronto has um, has what it takes. Um, however, I wouldn't be surprised if Tampa or the Islanders make a run. And it would be such a t- Toronto thing to, like, yeah. just miss, miss the playoffs. I think that also hangs over their heads <laughs> is that it's Toronto, yeah. you know? Right. You're going to find a way to miss out. Right. But then again, it's like, I feel like they're, they're like, in terms of their rebuilding schedule, like, they're a year ahead of what they expect it to be. They're a few years ahead, yeah. Yeah, so it's like, I don't think they expect it to be this good this fast. So, in a way, it's like, it might be a good thing that they, you know, they're in this chase right now. And they might not you make it. Also, look at Austin Matthews. Like he, he, did, he has uh, like in the sw- uh, when he was playing overseas. Like he, he didn't play in as many games as someone would play in the CHL, like uh, yep. the OHL, the Q, the WHL. Um, and and those t- and those teams don't really play eighty-two game seasons. So you gotta wonder, especially with his scoring slump, if if um, fatigue is starting to wear on him a little bit as well. Yeah. Well, Just, well, maybe not fatigue, but like the endurance, you know, the stamina. Like, well, he, he scored la- yesterday, but yeah, <laughs> I mean, like I don't know. It's, um, yeah, I don't. I mean, yeah, I don't know. But he still has Nylander and Marner to worry about, and um, Zaitsev has been pretty good. Um, so yeah, but you're right. Like in terms of like, like guys like like Tampa Bay and the Islanders are both. Like playoff have more playoff experience guys in their in their roster just because they've been making the playoffs for the past couple of years. But um, I don't know. I feel like Toronto's like one of those teams that they're too dumb to realize like to realize what's going on, kind of thing. So um, so maybe their uh, um, maybe experience doesn't really matter in these kinds of things. Um, it's it's more. I mean, now that we get into, I guess we can go into our in and out section with um, Tampa Bay, which was one of our teams. Uh, I already said that they have seventy seven points. They're two behind uh, Toronto for the wild card spot. Um, and uh, what's crazy about them is that they traded Bishop um, and Brian Boyle. Um, and Philippola. And Philippola. Although Philippola wasn't really great on Tampa anyways. But, um, yeah. but yeah, so they traded those guys. They were sellers at the deadline. And they have Stamkos, who has been injured for five months. Um, and it looks like, which we'll talk about in a second, it looks like he uh, went to practice on Friday. Um, and uh, they're still in the running. Uh, for a playoff spot, they still could make the playoffs. Um, and if so, I know we talked about this last week. Um, if they do make the playoffs, I think you have to give the Hart candidate trophy to, or the trophy, a candidate to uh, Kucherov. Um, he's been phenomenal under them. He has 71 points, as Steve alluded to last week. Um, and uh, so, yeah, but. Uh, I think we just—I mean, this just goes hands in hand. I think I think Toronto has the playoffs, but I again, I wouldn't be surprised if Tampa Bay um, pulls ahead. Um, it really just depends on if Vasilevsky can um, can be that guy. 
Well, he's he's shown signs of it, and uh, if they make the playoffs, and and in my opinion, I think of those three teams, Tampa does make the playoffs. Uh, you, you have to give John Cooper consideration for the Jack Adams as well, yep. because this team has been massively bitten by the injury bug this season. As you mentioned, they've been without Stamkos. They also, for a time frame, had to miss Jonathan Drew, uh, Jonathan Druin, um, Tyler Johnson, Cedric Paquette, yep. Vladimir Nemesnikov. They're all hurt in that game. And, and countless others, they've been missing time due to injury at one point or another uh, as well. And even before he was traded to L.A., Ben Bishop was hurt. Yeah. So they had to deal without him as well. Um, yet despite everything this team has gone through, they, they're like the pesky Sens a couple of years ago. Yeah. Everything went sideways, and yet they still found ways to win and make the playoffs. And they, in fact, I think they made it to the second round that year when they made it into the playoffs. They beat Montreal in five. So this this team kind of reminds me an awful lot of the pesky sense. Since February first, they're twelve five and three. Their top scorer, as you mentioned, Nikita Kucherov, ten points in nine games since March second. That's the day after the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. And over that stretch, he's got six goals and two game winners, which is incredible. And then you look at Vasilevsky, whether or not he can be the guy. Over his last nine outings, including that game against Washington, where he gave up five goals, and the game before that where uh, he was pulled against the Leafs. He's 6-2-1 over his last nine starts. His GAA is 2.09, and his save percentage is 937. And he's done all of that without recording a single shutout, which is impressive. And then you look at Braden Point, who's really stepped up into the fold after those three centers went down to injury. Five points in his last nine games, that's dating back to the trade deadline. Um, just taking a look at their schedule in the month of March, they face Detroit twice. Uh, they get the Phoenix coyote, uh, Arizona coyotes next. And then in between they get Boston and Chicago. That Boston game is going to be huge considering, you know, yep. division opponents, they could gain some ground on them. April is going to be a tough one. I can see them getting wins against Dallas and Buffalo, but they've got Montreal twice in less than a week, just like Ottawa does this week. And then they also get the Bruins and the Leafs before the end of the season. In my opinion, if they can take care of their division rivals, they get in. Yeah, I could see that happening. Um, but, yeah, it just has to happen. Um, we'll see. And, and, and more importantly, they're battle-tested. Like you, you, This is a team where the last two years have yep. made it to the conference finals, the Eastern Conference finals. So they they know that every single game is bigger than the last one. Yep. So they, I think they have the endurance to get it. They have the experience to get in those do-or-die games and prevail. Yeah, it's and, they, just, and they've done it the last two weeks. Yeah, I think I, – I don't know. I just – I still feel like Toronto has been good all year, and it's like Tampa Bay hasn't been consistent all year. And I feel like, – and, and the same goes for the Islanders. They haven't been consistent either. Um, so I don't know. I feel like Toronto has the best chance – of those three teams to make it in. But like you said, they have, you know, Tampa Bay and the Islanders have more experience in this kind of thing. Um, so it, it could, it could happen, but I'm going to count them out because this is in or out or not like it's not in or maybe in <laughs> yeah, or out. Uh, but um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, so you think they're going to be in? At the rate this keeps going, I, I think Tampa makes it. Of okay. those three teams that I mentioned in the poll of the week, for sure, I, I, I can see them making the playoffs. All right. 
Um, we'll hold you to it. And, and <laughs> when we when we talked about them and are they for real? I, I thought I'm pretty sure I said this year was a lost cause for them. Yeah, no. so I, I, I was I'm just I'm thinking about that. By yeah. John Cooper. So and, and I'm glad I'm wrong. Like the fact that they're they've been able to do this, it just shows how good of a team they have outside of Stamkos, outside of Bishop. Yep. They can still win without those guys, and that's and that's huge. Um, all right, let's go to the other team. Uh, Edmonton, uh, they have 85 points. Uh, they have the third spot in the Pacific. Uh, they're one point ahead of Calgary at the moment. Um, for most of the week, because Calgary had that streak going, uh, Calgary was ahead of Edmonton, but... Um, but now it looks like Edmonton is ahead of Calgary. It's going to be a, like a wire to wire finish kind of thing for them. Um, we know we talked about McDavid last week. Um, and, uh, they, let me see if they play Calgary at all. Oh, they don't even play Calgary nope. next, nope. but they play LA to, on Monday and I'm on Wednesday. Those are going to be huge for them. Um, they play LA again later in the month, um, in San Jose. Yeah. So they keep, they have like a combination of Anaheim, LA and San Jose to and end then they the get, season. And then they get LA one more time in April too. Yeah. So they get LA three times. They have LA three times, San Jose two times and Anaheim two times. But they also within, in between those times, they have Calgary two times and Vancouver to end the season. So it's not like, uh, they do have two give me ones that they can win, but um, it's still uh, not. I don't think you said they don't play Calgary. I know they have Colorado two more times. That's what I said. Oh, I thought you said Calgary. Okay, never mind. Uh, they have Cal- Colorado and Vancouver to end yeah. the season. They have Vancouver to end the season. Colorado in a, uh, next week, um, but. Um, and both are home and home, by the way. Yeah, both both Colorado and, and Vancouver are home and home scenarios. But but the main point is that they had the California teams to deal with besides yeah. those four games. Uh, but uh, so I, I guess in terms of that, like they have, um, I don't know. I I just I haven't really looked at Calgary's schedule either. But um, the it does look like Edmonton has to beat those, you know, it depends on how they play against those California teams, um, in order to see how they, uh, how they stack up. But at the moment, I think they're in, um, it should be interesting though. Um, let's see our Calgary schedule. Now I'm looking at Calgary schedule. This is the first time I'm looking at Calgary schedule. So, um, they I've have, looked at them a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. They've, they've got, they've, they they've have, got yeah, they have a hard schedule too. Yeah, so they have L.A. tonight on Sunday, <laughs> uh, Washington on Tuesday, Nashville on Thursday, St. Louis on Saturday, Monday in Colorado, uh, Wednesday L.A., Friday San Jose. Then in April they have Anaheim in a home and home. Uh, LA and they end the season with San Jose. So that's, that's a lot harder than what Edmonton has. Um, but, uh, I don't know. It's, it's doable for Calgary, but, um, I think Edmonton has the advantage just for the, just because they are ahead right at the moment and they have the harder schedule and they have the easier schedule, slightly easier schedule. Um, 
So they they, they also yeah. have they have also got a bit of a swagger going. They've outscored their opponents sixteen to five in their last three games, all wins. Yep. Um, they're they're just uh, that game against LA on Monday is going to wrap up an eight game homestand for them. They're four two and one in their first seven uh, against the Pacific Division. They they're a five hundred team, and nine of their final eleven games are against teams from the Pacific. And a good chunk of that's going to be against California teams. And I think those games against California teams are going to be a good measuring stick as to where this team stands. Uh, I think they have what it takes to finish either second or third in the Pacific and at the very least get a wild card spot. But I think this team is going to get in. But there's no more excuses. The playoffs are right in front of them. They got to seal the deal. And I think those three games against LA are going to determine ultimately where they finish in the standings. I think they make the playoffs, but who they're going to get in round one, I think that's determined by how those three games against the Kings go. Yeah, I could see that happening. I just was looking at the standings. So at the moment, Calgary has the wild card spot, but like wild card, the first wild card spot. And the next team that has, like Nashville has the second wild card spot. And there, uh, Calgary is uh, three points ahead of Nashville at the moment. So, both both Edmonton and Calgary are in pretty good positions at the moment, um, but yeah, Edmonton. Um, yeah, I think Edmonton. It really is Edmonton's to lose in those games against California. Those California teams, especially the San Jose ones and the Anaheim games, are really going to show where they're going to place um, in the division at the end of the year. Um, like if they lose those games, they probably will be a wild card spot. But if they win all those games, they probably would win. They'll probably be, um, you know, a division leader, um, in the Pacific. So, um, it should be interesting to see. And those are games that I'm sure everyone's going to be watching to see what's going to happen. And if, and if, uh, and they would get the first place team, of one of the divisions, um, if they finished in the wild card, so they could either get Chicago or Minnesota yep. in uh, the Central if they get the second wild card spot, and then the first wild card spots they would get probably San Jose. Yep. So uh, if if they get a wild card spot, if we're really going to see what this team is made of, and can you imagine if they just managed to upset one of those Western Conference powerhouses? That would really give. Edmonton fans, something to cheer about. Yeah, that's true. They haven't had much to cheer about other than drafting McDavid and all those. Top picks. <laughs> yeah, they so. haven't had. They haven't had. They haven't been lucky at all, right? Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I feel like everyone's like kind of rooting for Edmonton, although we're all like more or less like uh, they got lucky in the lottery and they shouldn't have even gotten McDavid, kind of thing. But um, yeah. I mean, it would be an intriguing matchup if they got, like, Chicago or something. Um, just because it's like Chicago's been good for the last 10 years and Edmonton's been so bad for the last 10 years. And now they're reaching, now they're meeting for the playoffs. Um, that should be interesting. But I think we're both saying they're in um, just because of how it's going right now. Yeah, um, it's just a matter where they finish. Yeah. That's, that's what needs to be decided. We're going to have to figure out this new in or out section because I think we've done every team that might yeah. be in or not. We'll figure something yeah. out. <laughs> uh, standings or something. I don't yeah, know. we could do like the wild card race kind of thing. Yeah. Know, um, for each conference. Uh, rapid fire. Um, the Caps, speaking of the playoffs, the Caps are the first team to clinch the playoffs 
Um, you thought it wasn't that surprising uh, wow. before the show. Um, I kind of did think it was surprising because I thought like Chicago or Minnesota would make it, um, would be the first team to clinch. But um, now that I look at it, Washington has 100 points, Chicago has 97, and Minnesota has 92. So it's certainly possible, I guess, I mean, I guess it makes sense. I guess Washington is now, uh, probably will get the President's Trophy if they keep it up like this. But um, uh, If the 2005-2006 Red Wings taught us anything, winning the President's Trophy means Jack all Well, I mean, if any President's Trophy teaches us anything it doesn't mean anything either yeah. like washington won the president's trophy last year and look it's, whether it's that just, got it's them it's just like it's just like my fantasy hockey league like i win the yeah. regular season the playoffs i fall flat you know right. like you, you but, don't win a trophy for that though you, you get a trophy for winning the playoffs right but like the 2013 uh president's trophy was the chicago blackhawks and they won yeah that. yeah um, that's true so won. i'm not saying it can't be done but yeah, it but really for the most part, it happens, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that was, to be fair, that was the lockout short in the year, so, um, and they beat my Bruins. But it's still, uh, you know, it has happened before, but it's, again, you're right. Not as often in today's yeah, NHL. Right. exactly. Um, but, yeah, we'll see. Um, now we go to injuries. Um, Mark Stone has a lower body injury. It looks like he's week to week. Um, yeah. He he didn't play in any of Ottawa's games last week. According to Guy Boucher, hasn't really been on the ice all that much since he suffered the injury against Arizona. So by the looks of things, I'm not even sure if the 50 point getter gets any playing time this week either. So, um, I guess Ottawa just has to ride the wave. The good news is they did get Kyle Turris and Bobby Ryan back in the lineup. So some good news for the Sens on the injury front. Yeah, I guess I could have, I should have put that in that. We could have talked about that in the uh, Sens segment, but whatever. We're we're in it here. Uh, We already talked about it. Uh, Aaron Ekblad has a concussion. Um, This is his third concussion in two years, which is kind of crazy. 14 months to be precise. Third concussion in 14 months. Um, It looks like the Panthers are out of it. I would, out of the playoffs contention, so I would personally, I know it's like, you know, they finally got Barkov and Huberdeau back, but honestly this, I mean, I I would honestly just call this year a lost year um, and not put Ekblad, like just keep him out for the rest of the season. Just because, yeah. like, you don't want him to be the next Chris Pronger or the next Mark Savard, uh, who just has, like, concussion systems that uh, affects their play. So, um, yeah. according especially to a guy Fili- like uh, According to Harvey Filalkov, I probably butchered that name, of the Sun Sentinel, he can miss at least another week. And you look at the overall year that he's had, um, like, forget the fact that Florida's six points back at the least for the last wildcard spot. Ekblad's had an off year. Yeah. Last year, he got 36 points. He was a plus 18. This year, he's a minus 22 in 67 games. He's only got 21 points. Yeah. So, the, the sophomore slump has come in his third year. I Honestly, like, it's better just to shut it down, start fresh next year. Um, yeah. There's, feel- no, there's no reason to rush him back. Plain yep. and simple. 
Yeah, I, I agree with that. And it's weird, though, because we were just talking about how Tampa Bay had all these injuries, and now they're yeah. all of a sudden in the thing. And Florida has the even worse injuries, and now it's like we should actually tell them to, like, yeah, just, like, leave it alone. You're not going to make the playoffs, um, even if you do get Ekblad back. Um, so I think this just consider this a lost year and uh, j- just focus on next year. Um, which would be my advice, but we'll see. Um, Ryan Murray, uh, speaking of other defensemen, uh, high picked defensemen, uh, high draft picked defensemen, Ryan Murray, uh, has a hand injury. It looks like he's going to return to mid to late April. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, it looks he, like- uh- Tried, tried to block a shot, suffered a broken hand against Buffalo, needed yep. surgery, uh, four to six weeks timetable for his return. Um, for, for a team that relies on depth, that's that's a bit of a blow, but it, yeah. it proves just how much of a prize acquisition that Kyle Quincy is looking right now because these, this ice time is probably going to go up after this injury. It does look like – it does feel like Ryan Murray is like always injured. Um yeah, yeah, you're you're right. Uh, I remember a couple of years ago, he, he didn't really get much ice time because yep. he would spend most of it on IR. So, um, and also like it's it's tough to remember, but like he was a second overall pick. So yeah, it's like he was. Um, although to be fair, the first overall pick was Neil Yakupov, so it's not like. <laughs> um, I'm sure a lot of people would like to redo yeah, that first round. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, we'll have to, like, look back at those draft picks to see, like, who would have, who should have been the number one overall pick. Um, but, like, I remember back then, like, uh, Edmonton, there was the, like, debate that Edmonton should have gone with, um, Ryan Murray instead because they, um, you know, they already had Nugent Hopkins and Hall and they didn't necessarily need another forward. Um, oh, wait, Galchenyuk was that year, right? Yeah, he was um, picked third, as a matter of yeah, fact. Yeah, he was picked third. But, uh, like, you know, they, like, people were saying, like, oh, you should have gone with Ryan Murray. But now, like, looking back in hindsight, it's probably, you know, maybe that wouldn't have worked out either. Yeah, um, just taking a look at the, some of the, the players that got drafted. Griffin Reinhardt was drafted fourth overall. He hasn't um, been great. Uh, Slater Kukuk was drafted tenth overall. With, wow. um, oh, are you just are you just listing all the ones that well, I've I'm busted? just taking a look at some of the guys that uh, yeah, Philip Forsberg eleventh okay. overall. Well, that one um, turned out well. Yeah, there uh, like the final guy drafted in the first round was Tanner Pearson, and okay. he's arguably been yeah. one of the more <laughs> successful scorers. So. Right. So yeah, I guess if they were doing the draft again, it would probably be either Galchenyuk or Forsberg. Um, uh, I'm sure Edmonton would want those guys. Um, although I don't think they're complaining right now. Um, let's see here. Artem Anisimov is as a, oh, I had it here. Uh, he has a lower body injury. He's day to day though. Um, yeah. Blackhawks are one of those teams where it doesn't really matter who's injured. It's like, they're still good. Um, but yeah, so that, but Anisimov is out. 
Um, now, um, he's actually out three to four weeks. I don't know if you said that, but he's he's out oh. three to four weeks. Lower well, according body. to Roto World, he's day to day. But yeah. okay, well, update. <laughs> he's out three to four weeks. Okay, so he's probably done for the rest of the regular season. Oh yeah, so it does say that. It's, he's it, out. If for that's three the case, four. he finishes with twenty-two goals and forty-five points in sixty-three games. That's pretty good. Yep. Um, you know, for a depth guy on Chicago, and at some point during the first round, if he comes back, um. It'll be interesting to see where Chicago is uh, if if and when he does return. Because if they're in a bit of a hole, yep. um, it might not look too promising for them. Yep. Uh, speaking of another um, depth move, I'm just looking at the Penguins here. Uh, Carl Hagelin is has a lower body injury. Um, it looks like he... Um, yeah, he just got hit here. I was just looking at the Penguins' uh, injury list here. Yeah. Malkin has a shoulder injury. Uh, who knows how long that is? He said, they I say know for he's sure hitting. he's not playing Sunday. Beyond that, yeah. I don't know. Ron Hainsey's injured. Carl Haglin's injured. Uh, then you also had Chris Letang, Brian Russ, Trevor Daly, and Oli Mata all injured. Um, so they they have the injury bug at the worst time right now. But, I mean, they're still going to make the playoffs. But Yeah. Um, Patrick Hornquist and Matt Cullen, at the time yeah. uh, the uh, Hagelin injury was announced, they were also hurt. I guess they yeah. have since come back. But still, a lot of injuries they're facing. But like yeah. you said, one point back at Columbus for second in the yeah. Metro, I believe. Or maybe it's three points um, after. They're Columbus one point win. behind but Columbus. Regardless, yeah. still, still within striking distance of second place in the Metro. Yep. So all these injuries, they're not bothering them. Yeah, they're, yeah. Like, they're like Chicago in the sense that I was just talking about, like, without, like, they could have, like, half their team being injured and they'll still be good, yeah. you know? It's like, it's so long as they crazy. got Kane and Taves, yeah. <laughs> Basically. Well, the Penguins don't have Malkin, um, but, you know, they have Crosby and Kessel. Exactly. Um, so they'll be okay. Um, all right. Uh, Stamkos, speaking of guys, uh, we kind of alluded to it. I don't know if we even talked about it, but um, he uh, he practiced on Friday. Um, this would definitely help Tampa in terms of their playoff run, um, but it, it should be asked, should he come back? Um, I, he I would say yes. And in my opinion, he won't, because um, according to um, what he said uh, to reporters after the practice, he wasn't feeling 100%. Also didn't mention a definitive schedule for his return. Yep. So in other words, he comes in other words, he's gonna come back when he feels ready to go. Yeah. And and that's the same approach the organization should take because they signed this guy to a very rich contract right. in the offseason to score goals and lead your team. He can't do either if he's hurt. And he's not gonna be as useful if you rush him back too early into the into the swing of things. Like this is a point of game player when he got hurt. Right. That's the type of player you expect to see when he comes back. And when you look at last year in Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals when he came back, like, how much damage do you think he was going to do? So if and when he does come back this year, and the Lightning hypothetically make the playoffs, if it's in Round 1, or maybe if they make it into Round 2, how much damage is he really going to do? I don't think it's going to be as much damage as he could do if he had an offseason to fully recover and get back on track. Yeah, but, like, I think the key here is that, well, first off, it's a good sign that he practiced on Friday. um, Oh, yeah, it is. And and, um, we shall see. I 
I know you're going to disagree with this, but I wouldn't be surprised if he comes back like next week or even in April, um, start of April. Um, but uh, just because we've been talking about how Tampa Bay is basically in the playoff hunt and it would be kind of silly to like not even try without like if Stamkos is ready, you know, why not put him in um, for it? I, I get that like there is risk involved in that and you're probably risking his future health um if you do this but at the same time you're you're going for the playoffs you you should put him in um you know you shouldn't like wait till you make the playoffs because you might not even make the playoffs um and Stamkos makes the team better so I I don't see why what's the harm in doing that um but I mean you might be right. Maybe the maybe Yeiserman's like, yeah, I, I don't want you in until until we can make the playoffs, or there's a guarantee we'll be in the playoffs. Yeah, there's a hindsight. It's always twenty twenty to these kind sure. of moves because you know you could bring him back. He could get hurt, and he's out for six months, and yeah. then pretty much wasted like a good chunk of next year, right? By rushing him too soon. So I get again, like it, it's it's a it's a twenty hindsight twenty twenty decision. With, with every single one of these moves. Yeah. Um, but I think Tampa should just play it safe, uh, especially considering that um, they're, they're still going to have a, a few notable players still in the mix. But, you know, again, to be fair, Druin's an RFA, Palat's an RFA, Tyler Johnson is an RFA, and there's only so much cap space right. to go around. So, um and depending on how, how much money all all those guys are going to want, too, then, you know, if you really think you have a legitimate shot this year, I can see why they make that move. I don't right. think it's a smart move if he's not 100%. I want him back when he's 100%. If he's not 100%, he's not going in. Well, yeah, I agree with that, but I think he's going to be 100% in a couple weeks. I don't think he's like, – I don't think – well, you're assuming that the right because we've already talked about this that you you think the Lightning are going to be in um, yeah. the playoffs. So, but I don't think they're going to be in the playoffs. And but if Stamkos is in, that might change my mind. Um, so I I don't know. We'll see. I feel like um, I think they said that he would he would take five to six months out of the season originally. So it's now five or six months later. So, it, you know, it's, he's reached the timetable for that. Um, but yeah, it just depends on if he feels ready or not. And I think he will be. Um, but if, if, if you get in, you're probably going to face Washington in round one. Right. But you need Stamkos for that. Months. You need Stamkos for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, the member. Uh, I'm just adding fuel to the fire. I'm gonna shut up now. No, no, no. I, it's fine. It's we embrace <laughs> debate here. It's fine. Um, we don't, we don't often disagree on stuff. Yeah. But <laughs> like I can understand why putting him in. I, I'm, I'm just. I, I just see you're right with Aaron Ekblad and concussions, and you mentioned Mark Savard and yeah. Sidney Crosby. Like this is the same knee that Stamkos hurt a couple of years ago. Yeah, I guess that's the a good point. Knee. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. If his knees get banged up, he's done. Yeah. You can't do well if you can't skate. That's true, but you shouldn't, like, risk, like, you shouldn't, like, worry your rest of your life just because of that. I don't know. Well, yeah, I know. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, I I see what you mean. I I forgot about that this was his knee knee injury, and 
who knows if he'll be the same ever again. But, you know, I, I think it's worth the risk, though. But we'll yeah, see. You look at Bobby Orr, knee injuries cost right. him. Cam Neely as well. Yeah. Um, the U.S. women's uh, tournament is will not – Hillary Knight, the captain of the U.S. women's national hockey team, has announced that they won't be playing in the women's world championship. Um, which they're hosting, by the which way. Which they're in hosting in Michigan, yeah. Um, so I'm just going to read the statement here. There's, it's like four paragraphs long, so stand tight here. Um, the members of the U.S. women national hockey team announced that we will not be playing in the 2017 IIHF Women's World Championship in Plymouth, Michigan, unless significant progress has been made on the year-long negotiation with USA Hockey over fair wages and equitable support. We have asked USA Hockey for equitable support as required by the Ted Stevens Amateur Sports Act. Specifically, we have asked for equitable support in the areas of financial compensation, youth team development, equipment, travel expenses, hotel accommodations, meals, staffing, transportation, marketing, and publicity. Goals of our request are to achieve the fair treatment from USA Hockey to initiate the appropriate steps to correct the outlined issues and to move forward with a shared goal of promoting and growing girls and women um, in our sport while representing the United States in future competitions, including the Women's World Championships. Putting on the USA jersey represents the culmination of many years of hard work and sacrifice that reflect our love of both hockey and country. In making these requests, we are simply asking USA Hockey to comply with the law. Um, so uh, I think this is the first time in a long time, uh, the first time that like the women's ha- hockey team has made a, a stand like this. Um, and I, I'm going to be, this is like a developing story and I'm going to be interested to see, um, if this actually happens or not. Um, at the moment it looks like they're, cause you know, the women's national, uh, the world championship hasn't happened yet. So they haven't officially boycotted yet, but they're threatening to boycott unless these needs are met. Um, which I don't. Honestly, I don't think they will be met because I think the World Championship's soon, right? Um, uh, might be. I'm not quite sure exactly when it is. But, um, I, I think it's around this time. Yeah, but like when you look at it like in terms of like the USA hockey, the, the women's hockey team always gets either silver or sometimes gold um, in these events. And they like, won gold in the last three World Championships. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, but like when you look at like the, um, U S men's, like, you know, their counterpart, they don't even, sometimes they don't even meddle. So it's like, yeah, they have every right to do this. Um, and they deserve it. Um, however, I don't know if this will happen in that short of a time. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm going to rant on this. Excuse me for a sec. Um, so, based on what I read from a Fox Sports article, this concern is bigger than you can possibly imagine. Yep. These negotiations have been going on for about a year. Nothing's been done. And according to a piece from ESPN's Julie Faud- uh, Faudi, Foodie, I, I probably butchered that name as well. Okay. My apologies. They are paid for six months every four years. They get $1,000 per month. That's only $6,000 over 48 months. I'm not even sure if that's with or without taxes. Right. I don't Here's think it is. Here's what I do 
for a living, here is what I do. I work for a news talk radio station in Ottawa, Ontario. I go on the bus, which is 40 minutes into work. I arrive at work. I grab audio. I push buttons for a few hours, and I go home. And that's just a fraction of my day-to-day life. I could get into all the specifics, but I won't. I get paid at the very least double the salary of these athletes. And I get paid every two weeks of every year until the day I either retire or get dismissed by my employer. Based on this article, the program should be 100% ashamed of themselves for giving these athletes so little to chase their dream. Each of these athletes deserves to chase their dream. Why would you do that if you gain so little from it? Like, I don't see the point in sacrificing so much of your life for a small payday, especially given all the equipment costs, the transportation, the hotel, the travel, and so on. And also, I don't have to do any on-ice training or off-ice workouts to better myself. I don't need to spot on the team if I don't train properly 24-7, 365. That's what happens in sports. If you don't perform well, and if there's someone that's working harder than you, you're done. You're out the door. Yeah. This program may have finished in first place in each of the last three world championships, but they sure as hell didn't finish first when it came to treating their players properly. This is absolutely disgusting. I hope they boycott it. I hope they send a message, and I hope people who are paying Canadian, uh, Swedish, Russian... American. Yeah, anyone who plays women's hockey, I hope they get the the fair pay that they deserve because... We, we heard it in um, a, another women's hockey league where they're deducting uh, pay. We talked about it a couple of months ago. The industry yep. of women's hockey is underpaid enough as it is. Yeah. And the fact that they're that I'm getting paid more than these athletes and they have to do more than I do to achieve their dreams, it's absolutely atrocious. Yeah, so no. I'm 100% behind the players here, 100%. Couldn't, yeah, couldn't agree more to what you're, to that sentiment. Um yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy how, like, you know, like, a lot of these players have to do, like, two jobs um, in order to make a living and in order to even afford to play hockey in this kind of climate and to the level that they need to. Um, and, you know, it's, it's just it's sad that there hasn't been as much financial support thrown in uh, for women's hockey that like there is for men's hockey. Although it, I guess it is understandable, but, um, you know, it's, it's, and there has been progress throughout the years, but there needs to be more progress there needs for to it. There be more, absolutely. Exactly. Um, it's not going to be as yeah. big as men's hockey, especially if it well, doesn't, yeah. if it doesn't evolve. Of course. Like, it needs to become, it yeah. needs to become a marketing generating revenue exactly. stream. Like, like, NHL, like for instance, the WNBA isn't, nearly as popular as the NBA, for sure. But it's still a league that's been, like, around for 20 years or more. It's, like, it's still around, and it's, you know, the and those athletes still get, like, you know, they don't have to work another job. Um, so, um, you know, what I think the solution would be is you just combine those two women's leagues together, the CWHL and the NWHL, uh, together, um, and then, you know, figure out a way to make it work. But, um, you know, at the moment I'm kind of just pessimistic about that. I don't know if that will yeah. ever happen. Um, and you know, it's it good for Hillary Knight and all the, all the other women's hockey team that are, 
um, in support of this. And, uh, you know, I hope it works out, but at the moment I'm just a little pessimistic about it because, um, I don't know. I feel like it's been on, it's going on for so long that I don't know if it's going to work or not. Um, we'll see. Um, unless, um, in more optimistic news here, uh, Eric Stahl has, uh, set to become the first member of the legendary 2003 NHL draft class to play in his 1,000th NHL game. Uh, you have a list of who was drafted in the 2003 yeah. NHL draft class. Uh, just taking a look at Eric Stahl's numbers for a quick second. Yep. His first 999 sure. NHL games, by the time you hear this podcast, he'll probably play in his 1,000th game because they play on Sunday. He has 349 goals, 108 of them on the power play, and he's also got 835 points. Marc-Andre Fleury was drafted first overall in 2003. Stahl was drafted right after number two overall. Uh, Other notable names from that legendary first round include Ryan Suter, Thomas Vanek, Dion Phaneuf, Jeff Carter, Brent Seabrook, Zach Parisi, not Parisi, Parisi, Ryan Getzlaff, Brent Burns, Ryan Kessler, Mike Richards, and Corey Perry. And then you look at round two, Patrice Bergeron, Corey Crawford, Shea Weber, David Backus, Joe Pavelski taken in the seventh round, Dustin Bufflin taken in the eighth round, and the second-to-last pick overall, Brian Elliott. Yeah. Loaded 2003 draft. Yeah, that is, I, I've forgotten how crazy that uh, draft was. Yeah, all of those names, by the way, at some point in their NHL careers were NHL All-Stars. Yeah. So. And that's basically like half of the Ducks' best players. <laughs> um, you know, yeah. Patrice Bergeron, best, like almost like the best player on every team here. Um, so it's, yeah, it's crazy. Um, I don't really have much to say. Oh, half, uh, you know, Van- uh, Parise, Suter as well. Both yeah. in my Minnesota right now, uh, uh, Bergeron and Bacchus, as you mentioned, um, you know those guys. Kessler like, and Perry. Oh, I, sa- I said the Ducks already. Oh, you but did. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, but uh, and Eric Stahl now is part of the Minnesota Wild, so uh, they have three guys in there. So yeah, and it's Brent Burns was Brent on Burns. Minnesota to start his career too. True. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what my point here was, but uh, yeah, it's a good draft year, and I guess it's it's impressive that Eric Stahl has a thousand games played compared to those guys that we just mentioned. But I don't know. I guess it's just more about like um, the fact that he hasn't been. He doesn't really have injury history, and he's played a lot more games than all these guys because he probably had a head start. Um, compared to all the other guys. Um, so, guy, so we go from guys who, uh, who've been in the league for a long, long time to guys who are now just starting it and main, who knows if they're gonna, um, who knows if he's going to, uh, be on the rock play even one game, but Zach Aston Reese, who was the NCA leading scorer this year. Um, at Northeastern, he has uh, he had 66 points in 38 games. He just got signed by Pittsburgh. Um, there was believed that um, Edmonton and Calgary were his other suitors. Uh, Aston Reese also has this 
benefit of he wasn't drafted at all his draft year. So any he could go to any team that wants him, yeah. um, and he chose Pittsburgh. Um, I also found out that he's a graphic design major. I'm a graphic design major. Um, well, uh, I'm in the master's. <laughs> I'm in a master's program in graphic design, so that's pretty cool for him. Um, I don't know if he'll. It, it is always wonderful, wondering. It's always wondering. I, I'm always. <laughs> Like, curious in terms of, like, guys who are undrafted, like, college guys who are undrafted and then get signed. It's, it's like, there's usually a reason why they weren't drafted to begin yeah. with. Um, but like there was all this hype about around Stefan DaCosta and Bobby yeah. Butler when Ottawa got those Like, guys. Drake Kagigula from Edmonton yeah. um, last year. He, he uh, you know, he was one of those guys, too. So, but, like, Justin six, Schultz was, was Justin he one Schultz. Of them? I think no. Justin Schultz was like a Jimmy VC type, where he was right, yeah. he was drafted by the Ducks, yeah, but then he went to Edmonton instead. Yeah, because um, he just didn't sign with the Ducks or whatever for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, what's What's also interesting about Aston Reese in the Hockey East in twenty two Hockey East yeah. games, he got seventeen goals and eighteen assists. That's thirty five points, which is well over a point a game, and yeah. he also had three hat tricks. And I think the reason why he chose Pittsburgh is that, like Jimmy Vesey, like he's not expected to be the savior of the franchise. Right. He's not expected to be you know, a top three guy. He can just come in, do his thing, learn from all the vets, and, yeah. and just play his own game. And and I think that's a smart move uh, for for a guy like Zach. And, and I think uh, he stands to do very, very well. And this is also a team that has Jake Gansel in their system. He's played some games Connor for Shiri. them. series looked He's looked pretty good, and Daniel Sprong as well. Yeah. He's in there. I think Shiri was also undrafted. I'm not sure um, about that, but yeah, that that is a good point. They have a lot of those like under like college guys um, on the Penguins roster, so uh, we'll yeah. see. Um, speaking of NCAA hockey, Penn State and Wisconsin had two straight games go into double o- overtime in the Big Ten championship game. Penn State won both of those times. Um, which is kind of cool, especially since Penn State, I think it like had start had like just started their program like three years ago or something like that. So it's quite a ways from there. Also, in other college news, um, March Madness or Frozen Madness, I guess, um, is happening. Uh, Denver, Harvard, Minnesota, and Minnesota Duluth are selected as number one seeds for the tournament. This just happened, um, literally right now. So not to be confused with the basketball March Madness. No, 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 exactly not. Although this is around the time that like players that are that were drafted on teams, like once their college team is over, they'll probably sign um, and go to uh, whichever team drafted them. I would imagine Charlie McAvoy of the Boston University. We'll just go a couple blocks to uh, TD Garden and go with the, and be on the Bruins roster for a bit. Um, uh, so uh, we'll see that. Um, and um, so I just talked about the double overtime with Penn State. Uh, there was a playoff game in Norway that needed eight overtimes. Um, you have some interesting yeah. tidbits on that one. To quote LeBron James, not one, not two, not three, not four, <laughs> not five, not six, not seven. Eight overtime periods. As a matter of fact, the winner was scored with 246 left in the eighth overtime, so it almost needed nine 
overtime frames. Eventually, the game did end. The shot clock read 96 to 93 for the Sparta Warriors, who ended up losing two to one. Uh, the longest game ever in hockey history, uh, shattering a long-standing record um, in the NHL. 1936, the Red Wings and Montreal Maroons. Um, that classic um, was overtaken by this game, and this game was 40 minutes and 44 seconds longer uh, than uh, that 1936 game between Detroit and Montreal. The funny part is the attendance sheet said that 5,526 people were there to witness that marathon. Uh, only 1,100 stayed till the very end, and the local police department got tons of missing persons calls for people who were last spotted at the hockey game, and they had to tell them, yeah, because the game hasn't ended yet. <laughs> yeah. The crazy part is it was only game five, and both teams were expected to play game six a day or two later, which is unbelievable. So now... Now we're going to have to update all the history books. This is the longest game ever played. Well, yeah, making history here. Um, no, no one's going to guess Norway. No. I bet you no one's going to guess this Norway. trade question. It just got a lot harder. Yeah, my my dad o always jokes that, like, everything has happened in baseball. Like, they always, like, say these, like, weird stats in baseball, like, you know, all that stuff. And I guess it's, it's true here in hockey. Nothing... Everything has happened in hockey, um, including now an eighth overtime game in Norway. So we'll see. Um, now we go to Bruins Send segment. I think I started last week, so um, we'll have you go this week in Ottawa. Okay. So uh, they didn't win last uh, this past week, but they weren't embarrassed by any of their opponents. And I think there's lots actually to take away from the three games they just played. Uh, starting with Tuesday's game against Tampa, like we said, team that's been real with injuries, yet they continue to find ways to win as hard as their road to the playoffs might seem. Uh, the shots favor Tampa 37-32. to They had several great chances to win the game, but Mike Condon, man, he was just playing out of his mind in that game. Uh, he, he kept his team in the swing of things, forced overtime. They were able to get a point, unfortunately. They ended up losing in overtime in the final minute or so, but... Um, Again, a valiant effort by Ottawa against a tough team like Tampa. And um, what solid teams are able to do is adapt in a certain situations. Because if you recall in the last time Ottawa played Tampa, Kucherov got three power play goals in one period from the same spot. And not only did they keep them off the score sheet in this game, they only gave Tampa one crack with the extra man. So the fact they were able to adapt... Um, is is really, really satisfying for me as a hockey fan. And I commend Guy Boucher and the players and the coaching staff uh, for being able to adapt and to learn. That's how you get better as a team, by learning from your mistakes and showing everyone that you've learned from them. And again, the result wasn't there, but I liked what I saw in that game, even more so on Thursday when they faced Chicago. Um, again, Chicago scores first. It was scoreless through 40 minutes. Chicago gets one early in the third. And then Ottawa ties it. They lose it in the final few minutes. But they were matching Chicago stride for stride in that game. Uh, and in the game before that, they also matched Chicago stride for stride. And in both those games, they outshot Chicago, as a matter of fact. So, um, again, the result wasn't there. But I think that game was really something to build on. And 
I, I'm not really going to go as far as Eugene Melnick did to say it's going to be a prelude to the Stanley Cup Finals. I think he might have gotten into the Kool Aid a little yeah, too soon. A little. But I, I, I think, I think really that's that's important to when you see a team like Ottawa with so many question marks go up against a team like Chicago and they're just hanging around with them. They're right, they're right in the thick of it, and and they go into Chicago and they beat them earlier in the year. They almost take it to overtime in the second game. I, I really liked what I saw from Ottawa in this game, and um, and and that um, and those improvements they continue to show against Montreal on Saturday. Uh, they give up an early goal in the second. They get two goals in 76 seconds to take a lead. The Habs score two in a span of 31 seconds to retake the lead in the third. Carlson gets another clutch equalizer late in the game to force overtime. Again, Ottawa didn't get the win. But they won 60% of their face-offs. Montreal only got two chances to score at the extra man. I, again, the results weren't there, but I loved the effort from the Sens. And I think with Craig Anderson returning to the lineup, with Kyle Turris back in the lineup, with Bobby Ryan back in the lineup, even if Stone doesn't come back, I think those acquisitions are going to be huge for the Sens moving forward because they got – Montreal in the back half of home and home tonight. We'll know how that game ended. We'll talk about it next week. Uh, and then they've also got, as we're going to talk about later on in detail, they get the Bruins on Tuesday, and then they host Pittsburgh Thursday, and then they visit Montreal on Saturday. So, Tough week, again, man. another another big week, but they need to string some more wins uh, together. So, um, all in all, I, I, I liked... I liked what Ottawa delivered. They they've gotten points in eight of their last nine. That's a nice stretch that they're on. They just need to keep it going. They can't learn to settle for overtime losses. They they can't really get into that rhythm. But they've lost three in a row. Yet all of them have been a goal, and two of them needed overtime. So I I, I really I'm really satisfied with what the Sens provided. Um, I'm also satisfied with this batch of news. I don't know if you've heard. But the outdoor game has been officially made official. Uh, officially, Place, made, officially made official. <laughs> yeah, officially made official. TD Place, December 16th. It's happening. Sens are hosting the Habs. Uh, that glorious venue hosts the CFL's Ottawa Red Blacks and the United Soccer League's Ottawa Fury FC. Uh, the Grey Cup, um, the CFL Championship is going to happen a few weeks before. So the atmosphere is all set in advance of the game. And because the Habs faithful love to invade the CTC, that game's bound to be a sellout when tickets do go on sale in a couple of weeks. And I think it'll take a week before all of them are gone because if you look at all the NHL Canadian teams that have hosted an outdoor game, Montreal's the only one that hasn't hosted one yet. Yeah, They're the only one. Everyone else at some point has hosted an outdoor game uh, since the NHL made them a fixture. So... Um, in my opinion, I think you're going to see a lot of Habs fans, especially considering Montreal's two hours away from Ottawa. I think you're going to see a lot of Habs fans uh, pack up the place. And it's really going to be uh, a very unique atmosphere. And the the tie into this game is, is specifically important. There's a lot of historical significance behind it. Uh, the first NHL game happened in Canada's capital in December of 1917 between Montreal and Ottawa. Joe Malone scored five goals that night in a 7-4 Montreal victory. So if you're wondering who got the first five-goal game in NHL history, it was in the first game ever played. So that shouldn't be too hard to forget. Um, 
this will be also the 23rd outdoor game in NHL history since the league uh, decided to make them a reg- regular fe- feature in the mid to late 2000s. And like you said in previous episodes, it's not going to be a hit on TV like it used to be. But for the people who are there, who are there to witness it, it's going to be an unreal experience. It's going to be unforgettable. And um, I really like the atmosphere uh, for, for yeah. this game. And I think it's going to be a great moment in Sense history. And yeah. also, it ties into Canada's 150th birthday. The Sens, uh, the Sens I haven't I've been 100 years old. Uh, the NHL's 100th anniversary and the Sens' 25th anniversary. So three milestones all in one night. Uh, yeah, I'm sure uh, your uh, owner is happy about that because it's all pro-Canada there. Yeah, yeah, we're going to talk about the pro-Canada. Why, why don't you introduce the, the, the next part to this story? Cause, uh, do, you, I, I uh, do you want me to talk about it? Okay. Yeah, you can talk about it. Uh, I just listened to it on TV. I'm just like, Eugene, Eugene, Eugene. Okay, fine, fine. I like you, but man, you say so Hold on, let me get the uh, exact quote here. Um, okay. I'll take a second here. Um... Okay, so so Eugene Melnick was asked on a whether he would allow Eric Carlson to go to the Olympics if the NHL doesn't end up going. And here's uh, the full quote from Eugene Melnick. Um, so I'm going to give Sweden my best player at the risk of him being injured beating our Canadian team. That doesn't make sense. Maybe if it was a Canadian going to play for Canada, maybe... But right now, I have no. It doesn't make any sense for our franchise, and it's not fair for our fans if we were to lose him. God forbid, into a year like this, to an injury in the Olympics. Um, I, I mean, I understand what he's saying. Like, yes, I, I think that's why owners don't like the Olympics and giving the and the NHL not doing anything to, for giving them to the Olympics. Um, I get it because of this like injury risk possibility. However, uh, to admit that if Eric Carlson was Canadian, he'd be okay. He might consider uh, letting him play in the Olympics. It's just, it's just ridiculous. He basically just admitted that he's like, um, he's pro Canada. I mean, I guess, I mean, that makes sense because he, he is Canadian and there's nothing wrong with that, but it's like, um, I don't know. It's it just in order to grow the, it defeats the whole purpose of growing the game of hockey. You want to grow the game. We talked about this in our women's section about growing the game of hockey just in general, or like with women's hockey, not just in the U S but like in every country. But if you're going to grow the game, you should grow the game through, like, like what the NHL needs to do is they need to grow the game in every country, and you know they're not going to be like little Swedish kids who are going to be like, who look who are anticipating Eric Carlson. I mean, there are going to be kids in Sweden who are going to be anticipating Eric Carlson um, in the Olympics. And, uh, you know, it's all because of Melnick who, uh, who won't let this happen. It's, it's, it's absurd. Um, but, uh, I get what you're, you're going to talk about the injuries and yes, there is always that risk of that, but 
at the same time, it's 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 the Olympics. It's not like is helpful to the sport, and there's always the risk for an injury. Not just in the Olympics. It's, there's an there's a risk in the NHL. Like yeah, you know, exactly. he could get injured like tonight. You know, he could get injured in the preseason. Like yeah, I he could. Yeah, right there. Exactly. He could get injured any time. He could even get injured like without even playing hockey. It's like, it's just it's it's ridiculous. But um, whatever. I mean, I understand. Like John Tavares got injured, had a season-ending injury last Olympics. It's um, yeah. So, Nurse Note was very mad about that. I remember. Yeah. I remember her so I I get that, but it's just it's like any anybody could get injured. It's it's not like. Uh, it, it's a stupid excuse, um, but it's gonna. Ha- I don't know. It, it, I'm just. I'm just upset about it. Honestly, I, I agree with Dean Melnick on every point except when he when he brought up the Canadian the, yeah. the, the Canadian nationality stuff. Like that's that's bogus. Yeah, it's, it shouldn't matter what country you're from. Exactly. So, now, the injury part I totally get because in 2006, Dominic Hasek pulled his groin in Torino during the 2006 Winter Games. Big part of that 05-06 team, in my opinion, they had a legitimate shot at a Stanley Cup title. You look at the players that left after that, Zdeno Chara being the most notable. He left in the offseason. If Hasek is healthy, I think this team has a legit shot to win the Cup. Instead, um, they're done in the second round, and they, they don't even make it to the conference finals. So I think that was a huge buzzkill. I think Eugene Melnick remembers that moment very, very well. And, um, and again, most notably the Tavares injury, like that killed the Islanders that year. Yep. Um, and you look at the strides the Sens have made now, and you look at where they could be next year if they continue to make progress. I'm absolutely concerned about Eric Carlson going to the Olympics. But this is – and I, and I can also understand if you're an owner – because you're sending your players to a t- uh, to the Olympics, and you're getting nothing. Yeah. You're getting absolutely no return from the IOC. Zero. So you're not benefiting from it at all. The NHL's not benefiting from it at all. Uh, but the players deserve to go. They deserve to yep. represent their country. I mean, And I think people have underestimated the power that they have. What happens if they're told they can't go? What happens if they revolt? The right. NHL... Big boys can't sell their product without their players, can they? Right. They can't, no, they can't go from their suits to suiting up and putting on the goalie pads. Or Ovechkin might retire, like retire from the NHL. They, yeah, they're not paid to be hockey players. Yeah, big shot owners aren't paid to be hockey players. Gary Bettman's <laughs> not paid to be a hockey player. Eric Carlson is paid to be a hockey player. Yeah, let the players play. Yeah, and if you're telling them they can't play. And they damage your brand because they're upset. Then you've really put yourself in a very bad spot. The good news is, uh, I give credit to Carlson. He calmed the waters a little bit. He said, right now the two games against Montreal are his top priority. Of but he did he say that. he wants to go, and he believes that a lot of other players feel the same way. Yep. Uh, if if it was an Alex Ovechkin type thing, I think there would be a lot more conversation on this as right. well because the Russians in particular – are probably the most passionate when it comes to playing for their country. Sure. And I, I think, well, if, I well, think speaking, if you I think if you took off Ovechkin and Malkin, I don't think you're gonna hear the end of it. Yeah. Well speaking of that, I think uh Leonis, the uh owner of the Capitals, has already said that 
Ovechkin, like Ovechkin's going to play in the Olympics regardless of what the NHL does um, with the IOC. Right there. So, I mean, yeah, Ovechkin would probably like retire if that um, if he couldn't play, you know. So um, he'd probably retire and then go and pull a Kovalchuk and yeah. play in the KHL. Well, that was that was what I was alluding to, you, but yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, and and when you were talking about like you know. Carlson, like, you can't afford to lose a guy like Carlson. Like, I mean, the Bruins have the same issue. Like, Bergeron, hard candidate Marchand, uh, Chara, Pasternak probably, um, Rass, they're all going to be in the Olympics. Um, but it's just something that, I, like, I, I look forward to it every four years. It's it's not like, mm-hmm. but, like, and I know that there is going to be a risk and they could get injured. But they're, you know, they're definitely gonna, they're gonna, there's nothing I can really do about it. It's, it's like something that, you know, anyone can get injured at any point. So it is a little stupid, but, um, we shall see. Um, like there's, there's so many yeah. defining moments in the Olympics that happen. Yeah. Like how many, what, what are the odds that we're going to see like, you know, a miracle on ice? Right, like that inspires a generation of players. Exactly. Well, like, that was kind of you need. you need to inspire the next generation. That was kind of my point with uh, with Sweden is that like yeah. if you let like if you don't let him like there's so many kids who look up to Eric Carlson in Sweden, um, and, and you how know, many of them watch the NHL? Right. Exactly. Well, yeah, I'm sure a lot do already. Well, it's like Nick Lindstrom. Like you know how like Nick Lindstrom was, like, the, you know, considered the greatest Swedish defenseman, and now, like, Victor Hedman, Eric Carlson, OEL, um, I'm sure there's there's so many, like, Oduya, there's so many Swedish defensemen who looked up to him now, who are, like, stars in the league right now. Did I say Hedman? Yeah, I think I did. Yeah, you did. Um, you know, so it's, it's, like, that's basically your influence. Just Nick Lindstrom. (laughs) That's, that, that would be my, uh, um, that would be and my before, counter argument. Before Nick Lindstrom, there was probably Boris Salming. But. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, I'm sure Nick Lindstrom looked up to someone, too. But, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know that far back. But, yeah. Um, you know, but, uh, speaking of the outdoor game, that is a cool thing. It's, it is a fun, as I've mentioned before, it's not great for televised events, but it is cool for localized stuff so it, it is it will probably be a great moment for people in ottawa who love hockey so uh yeah. kudos to you um i hope you get to go we'll see um yeah. it is a fun yeah, time we'll, we'll see we'll see but uh yeah, yeah. If, <laughs> i'm sure if, if everyone had a chance to go they probably yeah. would like every single hockey fan is right that that's a must-have on their christmas wish list exactly um so let's let's go to the Bruins. So they beat uh, Vancouver on Monday. Um, it was six to three. Um, Hart candidate Marshawn had a hat trick and an assist that all game. All three goals in the third, too. All three goals in the third. Um, he, uh, yeah, he's been really good. He's currently. Um, in first in goals, he's the goals leader right now. He could get the Rocket Richard. Um, so he's probably not going to get the Hart candidate. But um, I hope he does get the Rocket Richard. 
So maybe I, I should change he, it to I Rocket Richard candidate. <laughs> I think thought. he should get the uh, first star of the week as well. He had nine points and yeah. five goals on that uh, road trip. And also, yeah. uh, we mentioned how much the Canucks hate Brad Mershaw. Probably because he scored 11 goals in 17 career games against them. That includes the playoffs. Yeah. So he's really um, had Vancouver's number. Also, David Backus has been pretty good uh, this week, too. Um, he had a goal in this game. Um, I think he had a goal in the other two games, too. I'll look, I'll look when we get to it. But, um, yeah, uh, it seemed like this was a good game. But, again, it's Vancouver. So it's like I, was, I actually have a Vancouver Canucks friend. Um, and he, yeah. he, uh, he was saying that he was actually rooting for the Bruins because, um, because he, uh, he wants them to tank. So, oh yeah, um, he wants Nolan Patrick, yeah. <laughs> so he's like, thank you. I was like, but it's Brian Marchand. Don't you hate him? He's like, I do, but it was worth it because you're, we're tanking. I was like, oh, okay, whatever. Now it's not as fun. Um, the second game. Uh, we beat, we broke, we snapped the Calgary Flames uh, 10-game streak. Um, although Brian Elliott still has a streak going. Um, he has, yeah, he, he, he missed has, that game due to illness. Chad Johnson yeah, illness. started. It should, it should also be mentioned, that's the fourth different yep. team this year to get ten, uh, 10 or more wins in a row. Yep. First time that's happened in league history. Also, uh, David Pasternak got a 30-goal, uh, got his 30th goal in the last minute. Um, yep. of the game, um, but uh, I'll talk to you a bit about that in a minute, because he's going to be an RFA soon, um, and so is Ryan Spooner, um, and we so we have some cap troubles now um, if we're going to sign him, um, and then we lose to uh, Edmonton 7-4, to four. Uh, we just didn't, it was like Remember that game uh, against um, Ottawa, Steve, the last game we played, where yeah. we just, like, we got to a bad start, and then we just yeah. never got going. So it was a lot like this game. We yeah. just got to a bad start. Patrick Maroon, who had a hat-trick uh, against the Bruins before yeah. in his last game, he had two goals in the first six minutes of the game, um, and then it just kept on going. It was kind of cool, though, because then... He actually scored two goals in 59 seconds, Yeah, as a matter of fact. So but, five, five goals in two games against Boston. Like, forget McDavid. You should have contained Maroon all night. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it was also cool because, you know, we were just talking about the Art Ross race. So Brad Marsh, Hart candidate Marshawn and uh, McDavid were pretty much battling the entire night. Uh, they each got three points, um, so then they tied it at the end there. But, um, yeah, it, it just wasn't like we sort of looked good towards the end of um, the game. Uh, it was just, it's just tough to come back from a 7-4, 7-goal uh, lead. So, um, you know, when you score, when you have seven goals against you, it's hard to uh, win those games. Um, we could have won, but, uh, you know, whatever, uh, it wasn't rest night. Um, who knows why we didn't, I, I would guess it's because, um, he played against Calgary the night before. Oh no, he didn't play against Calgary no, the didn't. night before. No, he didn't. played against Calgary. I don't know why. Um, we'll see. Uh, they play, the Bruins play, um, have a couple of big games this week. 
Um, we have Toronto on Monday. Uh, the yeah, Toronto on Monday. Hold on. I believe they're in Toronto for that. Yeah, game they're too. at Toronto. Then we have a home game the next day at in um against Ottawa. Against the Sens. Yep, that'll be a big one. Then on Thursday, who we talked about, we have a home game against the Lightning. Um, and then on Saturday we have uh, an away game against the Islanders. So, yeah. um, so those are all four playoff contention teams. We just talked about how Toronto, Tampa Bay, and New York are all fighting for that one playoff spot, but it could very easily be the Bruins who are fighting for that spot too. So, yeah, um, it, it, they they've really got to manage the momentum. Like, exactly. You look at uh, the Vancouver game. Marcus Granlund, who to his credit has got almost twenty yep. goals this year, he scored twice in seventy eight seconds. Yep. And then Edler scored to make yeah, it. Yeah, our Vancouver game, we didn't. 21 seconds after the Bruins tied it. And yep. then, of course, the three goals in 353 to start the Edmonton game. They need to manage the momentum because Ottawa wasn't able to do that, that last uh, last year. And that and some parts of the season, that really killed them. Yeah. That stretch where everything went wrong. Yeah, so exactly. So that's why this week is really important, especially because these are the teams that we're facing off against. So, yeah. Um, um, yeah, it's really, I want to say like, this is like a do or die time. Like we have to win at least three of these games. So, um, and if we don't, I don't think we're going to make the playoffs, but, um, we'll see. Um, yeah. And all these teams are going to have the same mindset. They're, right. they're, they're all going to want to have a big week too. Um, and then I told you guys, we, I was going to talk about the cap situation just quickly because David Pasternak is an RFA next season. Um, and there's only, and so is Ryan Spooner, um, and there's only 11, uh, there's a projected 11 million in our cap space here. So I would guess there was reports that Pasternak is like trying to get, um, like the equivalent of like a Philip Forsberg deal, which isn't too bad, which I think was like 6 million. Um, but like, you know, people here, out here, there are some media members who were worried that he was going to get like a Tarasenko type deal, um, or he wanted that type of deal, but, um, he was looking more for a Philip Forsberg type deal. So that looks good and promising. However, uh, we also have to sign Ryan Spooner. So those are like our two guys that we have to sign. Um, we will have Drew Stafford. Dominic Moore, who are both going to be UFAs, so we don't have to worry about them, or John Michael Isles, who are going to be UFA. Um, but you also have, we just have a lot of restricted free agents here. Uh, Akari, Schaller, and Joe Morrow are all going to be RFAs next year. Um, but it's just, it's now it's just dealing with um, money and how we're going to divide it. But I would expect a lot to go towards Pasternak and to Spooner, but this should show that maybe Bolesky, who's making $3.8 million, or Jimmy Hayes, who's making $2.3 million, will, should be traded sometime before the draft in order to make room. Um, the problem with Matt Bolesky is, I checked on Cap Friendly, the next two years he's got a modified no-trade clause oh, attached. Yeah. That's true. It'll but, make it uh, tough. Jimmy Hayes does not, and he's only under contract for another year. Right. 
Well, exactly. But it's also tough because he hasn't been playing so great either. So I don't know what team will actually want him um, and help him out, help us out. But um, well, depending on what you want in return, exactly. Like if, you, if you trade him for a fifth rounder, then right. know, they might take it. But um, speaking of Matt Bileski, he got hit by a uh, by a Patrice Bergeron one timer, uh, um, so he might be injured again. Um, so at least it wasn't Shara. At least it wasn't Shara, that's true. But um, I don't know what the update is on him, but um, it, he hasn't had a great season for him in terms of injuries. No. Um, no. So um, it could be better. Um, social media. Lace, uh, face, you can go to our Facebook. It's Lace Up, Lace Em Up Podcast. Our Twitter is Lace Up, uh, Lace Em Podcast. Um, follow us there. Um... Are uh, you're probably listening to us on SoundCloud at Lace Them Up, um, or you're subscribed to us on iTunes um, at Lace Them Up Podcast there. Um, and if you aren't uh, subscribed, do subscribe. Um, and same for uh, SoundCloud. You can also email us at laceupbag at gmail.com. I think that's it. I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll talk again in episode 70 as we near closer and closer to playoff time on the Lace Em Up podcast.